Welcome to the Foundation Podcast, your weekly insight into the most significant conservative ideas being discussed right now all across America. From policymakers to grassroots activists, and from thought leaders to elected leaders, each week we bring you the people and the ideas shaping the American Republic. Brought to you with a dose of Texas, where Lone Star Liberty shines brighter than ever. Well, folks, thanks again for joining the Foundation Podcast. This week, we have someone I would call a disruptive innovator in education. What does that mean? Well, there's a Harvard professor who once said and did a lot of studies of the fact that if you want to change an industry, it's usually easier to do so by introducing something from the outside, an innovation from the outside. And it's disruptive to the extent that it causes people on the inside to change their behavior. And you know that one of our passions here at the Texas Public Policy Foundation and something I've spent 20 years of my life doing is in the education business. And so that's what we're talking about this week. And we are privileged to have with us the co-founder and president of the CLT exam. His name's Jeremy Tate. And before we turn this over to him to talk about why he started the CLT exam, I will answer the question that you're asking rhetorically, probably as you're driving around, listening to this, sitting at your desk. Why should I care about something called the CLT exam? And the quick answer to that is because it is going to change American education. And so if you have never given a second thought to why 2 million students take the ACT and nearly 2 million take the SAT each year and why that is a problem, listen in for the next 30 or 45 minutes because we have the answer for you. Jeremy Tate, my friend, thanks for being with us here in Austin, Texas. Thank you, Kevin, for the welcome. So the CLT exam is, what, a couple of years old? We just turned two this past December, actually. All right. And please tell us, why is the CLT exam important in American education? Absolutely. And to give a little bit of context and, and kind of the two-minute two backstory to CLT and how we came to exist, my, my own background, I was doing two things at once. I was working as a college counselor at a Christian school, and I was also running an SAT prep company. And during that time, I saw uh, the college board who makes and owns the SAT uh, make a big move to change the SAT uh, completely from the test that I took growing up um, and making it rather than an aptitude test, making it an achievement test based on the Common Core standards. ACT, of course, had already made that move. And at the school I was at, that created an immediate conversation uh, about where is the test for our students? Uh, we've rejected Common Core. We want something better. Uh, and I was also seeing that on, on so many other fronts, SAT and ACT could potentially be beat by a third option, customer service being the very top of that. Excellent. So you're two years old. You're already administering this test. And how many colleges are participating? So we are right now at 87 colleges. And uh, just the, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Paul Tribble, who is a president over at Christopher Newport University and a former three-term uh, congressman, uh, made the announcement that Christopher Newport would be the first public university to adopt the CLT. So we are hope, very hopeful about breaking into the public universities. Most of the schools right now are private. Mm -hmm. uh, in Texas, the University of Dallas uh, St. Thomas and Houston Baptist are already on board. And and likely, without speaking for the administrations of other schools, uh, other schools will be joining that list, right? We hope so. So before we delve into some of the details of the test and, and some of the planning that's gone into it, present for us your vision for the next 10 years. So let's just imagine that it is 2028 
and you look back on the preceding decade and what will you have accomplished? Yeah. I think before we answer that question, if you imagine the the power of the SAT and ACT is, is it's shocking the the reach of it. And mm-hmm. if you imagine for a moment, if the SAT was a test that required ethical literacy, the ability to uh, engage and understand classical literature, uh, logic, philosophy, even some of the great religious texts that have been foundational uh, to the Western thought tradition. That wouldn't just change school, but it potentially would change America. And our hope at the end of the day is that education will be refocused. Uh, the, the hyper-obsessive focus of College Board and ACT has been on college and career readiness, uh, where I believe as a dad, fundamentally, that education is about making us more human. And I think that is, that is the goal. Um, the best feedback we ever get is when a young person takes the CLT and we get to introduce them to an author. Uh, and they, they send us an email and they say, I've never read uh, maybe G.K. Chesterton or Flannery O'Connor or another author, but it's through the CLT, through a CLT study guide that they come in contact. Uh, and it changes how they study. It changes what they read. It changes curriculum at school. And so what we want to do, I think there's been a big uh, sh- shift in the past couple decades away from the humanities, away from the liberal arts. Uh, the goal of CLT, in addition to providing a more rigorous standard for colleges, is to uh, help to continue to bring about, I think, this renaissance uh, in, in classical education and, and this renewed focus on the humanities. Sure. So implicitly, at least, the creation of the CLT exam is a criticism of American education. Absolutely. And, and we say that as optimistically as we can. I mean, here at the Public Policy Foundation, we make a custom, a habit of, of mind of not criticizing people or things or industries unnecessarily. But the problem is that American education, in fact, has deteriorated in quality, especially over the last quarter century. We'll, we'll later get into the longer historical trend there. But where I'm driving with that question, Jeremy, is what two or three or four factors, characteristics of modern American education prompted you to take on a Herculean effort mm-hmm. of starting this innovative third college test. Yeah, I think parents can relate uh, to just the joy when, when you see your son or daughter deep in a book. Mm-hmm. And you know that it's a book where there's heroes and good heroes and they can learn. And, and then seeing, uh, in contrast, the Common Core reading list and seeing that uh, so many of the great works that have defined us as American people uh, and, and the books that have heroes and cultivate virtue in young people have been removed from that. And uh, seeing that, that if we can see that this restoration, it's not just going to change schools, it's not just going to change curriculums, but it's going to ultimately change, uh, change lives. I think that the previous generations of Americans often were given a better education, and um, that's what we hope to return to. I think there's so much that we've lost that we can regain simply by looking back at, at our grandparents and great-grandparents. Sure. So for the parent of a prospective college student who's concerned about the long-term trajectory of the American Republic, probably concerned with some of the things they see in society and culture, there can be a lot, there are a lot of explanations for that. And when we decide from a public policy standpoint to effect the change that will alter that trajectory in a good way, we might look at school curricula. 
And there are a few tools in our toolbox for changing that. One might be going to the State Board of Education. Mm -hmm. One might be going to our local school board meeting. Another might be working through a legislature. All of those are very difficult. And in fact, just looking at it from from a standpoint of, of data analysis here at the foundation, you might have a 3 or 4% chance of actually changing things. <laughs> You've decided that you're going to use a competitor test to the SAT and ACT to effect the change that a lot of people who've worked on curriculum at the State Board of Education, at their local school board, in the Texas or their state legislature. And it's going to take a long time to effect that change. But in fact, it may be more successful. You've given us a couple of anecdotes of students learning some great authors by looking at the study guide. What, though, over for the, for the parent who's interested in this, what can the parent who's interested in the future of the country, future of their, their obviously their children's career and lives, expect this test to do? Are, in other words, are we expecting too much from one <laughs> instrument? Or do you think over 10, 20, 30 years that establishing a foothold with this test, we can start to see a change in curriculum? Yeah, um, you change the standard. Mm-hmm. I think you change everything that builds up to the standard as well. And there has been so much thrown in the past couple of decades, so many attempts. I mean, there's no no arena. I, I come from Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, the public school world in Texas uh, is wonderful by comparison to some of the shenanigans in Maryland and Massachusetts and some of the other states. Uh, but it's the land of experimentation. Yeah, And we're taking... Uh, what should be this sacred passing down of this rich intellectual inheritance. Uh, and instead, you know, turning this, I love uh, C.S. Lewis in one of his Narnia books, he calls the school experiment house. And it was so on point, and that it was what, what I experienced myself in the public school arena. And um, one of the things that hasn't been tried, despite all the experimenting, is changing the standard that everything builds up to. Mm-hmm. And so CLT is trying to do just that. And because we feel like SAT and ACT have, have become tests that don't really differentiate even top students to the most selective colleges, uh, we think CLT is going to be a way to showcase the ability of, of exceptional students to some of the best colleges. Yeah. And your response there made me think of this phrase that I'm enamored with, another school reformer like yourself said that American education in the 20th and 21st centuries has been like a conveyor belt. And yeah. so you just put little Johnny or little Debbie on the <laughs> conveyor belt. And and really, the, the purpose of that is to homogenize thought. And while we certainly, as a civil society, like to be unified and to, to cohere all of the different groups that constitute civil society— the goal ought not be homogenizing thought. And, and I think one of the real rotten fruits of that is the inability of college-age students today, to, to generalize, to have a civil discussion mm-hmm. on topics where there are legitimate disagreements. Mm. And so it may be a tall order for me to surmise that over the next 10, 20, or 30 years, the CLT exam can be part of that solution. But I think that's probably what's motivating you. It is. And, and one of the, in test creation, and sometimes we joke at CLT that the only thing that's more boring than taking a standardized test is having to listen to a lecture or a speech about a standardized test. Um, but it's interesting that the way that SAT seemed to construct the test is under this principle or this idea 
that if a passage is offensive, it should be avoided. And so what you're left with is you end up with a test that is, is sterile, is painfully boring, that no student, in fact, one of the students who took the CLT, she went, Olivia Dennison, went on her own time and wrote a blog about her experience with the CLT versus the ACT. And when we, we talked to her on the phone afterwards and just thanked her for, for writing this, and she said, you know, no student would ever read what's on the ACT unless they were taking the ACT. She said, what I love about the CLT is that students would read it anyway because it's interesting. And our, our principle is, is the opposite. Instead of avoiding something that's controversial, um, we're saying if it, if it doesn't offend anyone, it's probably not very important. And, uh, and therefore, we have authors from Thomas Aquinas to Darwin, Nietzsche, uh, but also C.S. Lewis, Flannery O'Connor, uh, authors that have really challenged their contemporaries in their own time and uh, in, in how they were thinking. And those are the authors we want to put in front of young people. Right. And that's, that's driving us to the next conversation or part of our conversation I want to have today. And that's about the enduring principles, great ideas, the permanent things that I know, knowing you, we share uh, a real love for. Mm -hmm. And any of us who work in public policy, I think particularly from the right of center, whatever adjective they may use to describe that, believe that. The concern that I have is that American education, especially in the public sector, has made it impossible to embrace and teach and study those permanent things. And there really are but a few schools, whether they're secondary schools or colleges, where we are actually seeing that in full embracing of the great ideas and the great books. In all of your travels around the country the last couple of years promoting the CLT, do you see a trend that's sort of reactionary where we're, we're seeing a kind of a reemergence of classical studies of the great books of the great ideas? And um, well, I'll let you answer that and then and then follow up. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it was John Adams. You may be you may correct me here, but I think it was Adams who said that the American Constitution was intended intended for an informed and religious electorate. And I think that 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 in so many ways has been uh, so gutted from the experience from most public school students in America uh, that it's difficult for them to uh, even understand a document like the Constitution, where you have built into the fabric of it uh, the, the way that the founders understood human nature as being, as being bent in some cases towards corruption. And therefore, we have checks and balances in place. Uh, we've moved away from that in a way I think that is actually dangerous for mm. the future of the American, uh, the American dream, the American Republic. Yeah. So for the prospective college student who's not narrowed down their list of colleges, who might want to go to a public university, might want to, whether it's a public university or a private college, study math or engineering, mm -hmm. is the CLT for them? It is for them. And uh, in fact, early on, we heard from a number of colleges that uh, students being too dependent on a device. Uh, one of the unique things about the CLT is that for the math portion, there's no calculator allowed. And uh, colleges have come back to us and they said, you know, we actually like the CLT math score more than an SAT or ACT math score because we know that they're not using a device, that they're really thinking. Uh, we also include in that elements of logic that are no longer, that used to be part of the SAT, but are no longer found. 
Yeah. You know, when you and I first met, I was president of Wyoming Catholic College, which our, our listeners, or at least most of them, are aware of. And we were, I think, one of the first colleges to— Number three. Uh, number three. Oh, man, I, I wish we'd been number one. But number, number three is pretty good to adopt the CLT. And that—what you just said about the math score is one of the specific things that attracted us. Because while, of course, it's imperative that people need to can learn how to use a calculator and sophisticated math and engineering software if that's their career track— What's even more important than that is to think mathematically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what your, your test gets at. I'm going to, on that point. I'm going to read you a statement from yeah. the National Review article. This is by our good friend Stanley Kurtz, with whom we work on free mm-hmm. speech. He'll be a, a guest of this podcast soon. Okay. And this is what he wrote about a year ago. To a large extent, CLT is a defensive effort to preserve a liberal arts educational alternative outside of the homogenizing political orientation and science, tech, engineering, math, STEM focus, favored by the Common Core. As is customary, our friend Mr. Kurtz has packed a lot into a single sentence. What's your response to that? You know, I, before uh, Stanley wrote this this article here for National Review Online, I had a chance to, to have lunch with him in D.C., and uh, got just a sense of, of what he sees as some of the, the problems in education. And he was very excited about CLT being able to come in. And, um, and, and what he was describing is the stranglehold mm-hmm. uh, of College Board and ACT over this. And that even with, um, with, with Common Core and some states backing away from it, SAT and ACT by aligning have made it much more entrenched. Uh, and this is one area where uh, coming in, having a third option, um, could potentially even be good for SAT and ACT and perhaps rethinking how they're doing things in this very, very crucial job they have um, of playing a major role in American education. Yeah. In our education choice efforts, not just in Texas, but around the country, we know from studies, including studies we've done here at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, that when the participation rate in a choice program hits five or six percent, that the industry being disrupted, the public schools uh-huh. begin to change yeah. in ways that reflect, and I know this is a really foreign concept to, to some college students in America, the market. Mm-hmm. And so what you're suggesting is that success for the CLT really doesn't have anything to do with affecting the college board or the ACT. It may, that's mm-hmm. up to them. Tough. But one of the things we might expect, if there is, if we can use the school choice <laughs> programs as a corollary, is that if the participation rate in CLT hits uh, whatever the magic number will be, that ACT and College Board will react. And the way they will react is to address some of these curricular and standard concerns that prompted you to start the test to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in Texas is a perfect place for, I think, just the growing frustration we've seen nationally towards a... Um, this kind of this obsession with political correctness that uh, makes it impossible for somebody to even say uh, general ideas about virtues and um, that, that were universally agreed upon by, by most Americans just a few generations ago. And um, I think CLT is, it's fun to come in as the disruptor. And, um, and we, you know, actually, I co-founded CLT with my lifelong best friend and uh, our, our parents say this is the first productive thing we've done together, which has been a, a real treat. But it's fun to, to be causing trouble. And we're, um, we're here certainly to do that, as we're saying we can make a better standard that reflects. Um, and, and what we also want to do is say, look, 
CLT, uh, and, and some have tried to kind of peg CLT as overly conservative, um, what we want to say is actually CLT is coming in and we're representing a continuation with a beautiful thought tradition over two millennia. And SAT and ACT are a radical departure from that. And, uh, and that perhaps if, if there's testing companies that are radical, we would argue that it's, it's our competition. That's well said. And, and, and I would underscore that point and say the CLT is neither conservative nor liberal, but because it is an instrument that tests someone's knowledge in part about the great ideas in the great books, because the great ideas transcend whatever political adjective we want to use in the United States in the 21st century, it necessarily is I mean, it's more important than both of those things. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have some friends left of center who think that it's a great idea for the very reasons that you said. And, and it makes me very hopeful that we can get back to a point in American civil society when those of us who are on the right can speak in a very collegial way with our friends on the left yeah. and people in between. And really, I mean, the, the irony out of all of this is that, as you said, the real radical institutions mm-hmm. are the college board and the ACT, yeah. and you're simply trying to restore our ability as Americans to have those common touchstones. Yeah. How long will that take? You know, we think it, it's happening. We CLT, we see ourselves as, as a small part of a much larger movement, I think, mm-hmm. that, is, that is reclaiming American education. I think that the part of that we refer, we refer to as the classical renewal movement, but I think it's much broader than the classical renewal movement. Um, I, I think in, in many states we're seeing a uh, just huge, huge trend towards homeschooling, mm-hmm. uh, towards classical charter schools. CLT has a great relationship with Great Hearts, both in Texas mm-hmm. and in Arizona. And I, I think parents want the best for their kids. They want them to be um, to be formed not just by their teachers, but uh, by the authors that they interact with as well. And uh, we're we're happy to be a part of this movement. Sure. So you're ready for a devil's advocate question? Always, always, <laughs> always. So let's say that little Johnny is now 17 and he's a high school senior and knows that he wants to be an engineer. He's a really big public school. And he and his parents are intrigued by the concept of taking the CLT. But their seemingly fair assumption is that he's going to go to XYZ State University, be an engineer. He he appreciates the great ideas and the great books. But why take that test instead of the SAT? It's a great question. And and so rather than a a hypothetical uh, response. Oh, you're going to give us something in reality. uh, Give give a a, a quick uh, anecdote. We had a, a young man... Noah Pauls, who we've mentioned uh, before on a couple of podcasts, and he's at MIT now, and he was at a school in Idaho called the Ambrose School, and he had the highest score ever on the CLT uh, up until this past November. He had a 117, I believe, out of a possible 120. He also had a perfect ACT score of a 36, but Noah was also smart enough to realize that his perfect ACT score uh, wouldn't necessarily differentiate him from all the other students applying to MIT with perfect SAT or ACT scores. Uh, and he realized that CLT could differentiate him. And so um, he, he submitted that to MIT. He wrote a little bit about it saying this is a harder, classically oriented college entrance exam. And I had the highest score to date. And, uh, and we think, and Noah thinks, and we think uh, that that is one of the things that set him apart as a student who's now at MIT. And we think uh, there's going to be more of those students. In fact, Princeton uh, University, they're accepting CLT as a supplemental right now and uh, just kind of getting a a chance to look at it. But we think for some of the elite schools uh, that are looking through America's top students, 
Um, we think that the CLT allows the student to stand out. And, and just in terms of the numbers, this is well documented. I graduated from high school in 2000. At that point, very few students got a perfect 1600 on the SAT. Uh, today, it's, it's maybe somewhere around 1500, uh, but thousands are well over a 1540. And even according to College Board, there's a 60 point margin of error on the SAT. So anything over a 1540 by their own standard is essentially the same score. And so we, we do believe CLT offers a way for top students to be differentiated and to stand out. So whether for that hypothetical family I was talking about who might be interested in the CLT or the listener who says, yes, we're going to take this tomorrow, where do they learn more? CLTexam.com? CLTexam.com mm -hmm. would be the place to go. And so talk to us about the, the testing day, because I, I know no. many, if not most of our listeners, if they've not known about the CLT, will be supporters just because they love disruption, mm -hmm. especially in public education. Where, where do they take the test? What are the, the different parts of the test? How long does it take? Yeah. All, those, all those important questions on testing. It's a great question. So one of the reasons uh, students have quickly gravitated, even though we're only accepted right now at 87 colleges, students have, have quickly come to love CLT because we're a shorter test. Uh, we're two hours versus really it's about five hours by the time you sit down mm -hmm. to the time you leave with the SAT. We're two hours and you're in and out in two hours and 10 minutes. It's that quick. And part of the reason we wanted to do that is because it's actually more accurate. And so when I was hmm. um, running an SAT prep company, what I was seeing was testing fatigue. And so sections 7, 8, 9, 10 of the SAT, students, as I'd be going over their practice tests, would be doing far worse than they would on sections 1, 2, and 3. It was a marathon test. It was They were just mentally done. They were baked at the, at the end of it. Uh, so we thought we could actually get a more accurate score by having the whole test in 120 minutes. And also because they're same-day test results. And so we've had the technology now for 20 years to offer a test and to have same-day results. And so the millennials are, are scratching their heads trying to figure out with SAT and ACT why they have to wait a month to get their scores. And we're really, we're proud, we're excited that we can remove this period of anxiety and uncertainty uh, from young people as they go through this time. Uh, the other piece that we've also changed is, you know, the whole current model. And so the current model is that a student gives up their entire Saturday to take a test that's often totally disconnected from their academic formation and their future, and then they wait a month for the results. CLT is that we do offer tests on Saturday. We offer three or four per year on Saturday, but we also offer in-school CLTs. And many schools have the entire school uh, that take the CLT on that Saturday. Uh, they take it in school. The school can then actually use it as an internal metric to get a good sense of how they're progressing academically, but students still get same results, uh, same day results, and they get to save their Saturday as well. That's got to be music to the ears of a lot of parents and we, and we students start, yeah. who are just tired of the testing regime. Yeah, you know, in in a few different states, I've had the privilege of traveling around and visiting some public schools, and asking the public teachers, most of whom I think are heroic what their number one concern is. And sometimes I'll phrase that question this way. If I gave you a magic wand, what would you change? And I'm telling you, Jeremy, almost universally, dozens, if not hundreds of public school teachers have told me the number of days we spend testing. Yeah. And I think the, the difficult thing there is, you know, there's this truism in, in management. It's also true in assessment in schools 
that you get whatever you measure. If that's true in American schools, what we're getting is not very good because what we're measuring, to your point about the kind of terrible content on these tests, are things, passages we wouldn't read, books that really aren't that interesting, have nothing to do with permanent things, with the ideas that really bind us together as a people. So I'm grateful that you've started the CLT, and I'm hopeful that people, even if they don't have kids, even if they're skeptical, you know, maybe they're engineers and, and as good engineers would, they just think that there's got to be something wrong with this idea. <laughs> we'll learn more. Where would you point them to learn more, not just about the test itself, but about the movement in which you operate? So maybe people have been listening and they're not familiar with the great books. Maybe they're not familiar with the great ideas. Are there news sources, books, other things that come to mind? And I'm asking you this question cold on purpose. Yep so that you can guide them to learn a little bit more about this movement. Yeah, I think there would be several key places to go. So maybe to name three, and these are three good friends uh, as well at the CLT. And so one of our, our good friends, as we're up in near D.C., uh, has been Homeschool Legal Defense. And they've been, they've been for, for, I guess, over a generation now, been fighting a good battle to uh, free up uh, students and parents in terms of educational choice. Uh, I think in terms of the classical renewal movement, some great places to start would certainly be the Searcy Institute, uh, they're doing great work over there. If you ever get a chance to go to a Searcy conference in the summer, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think also Classical Academic Press, Memoria Press, some of the other publishers that they can give uh, a real flavor uh, for that. And I think some of the colleges as well, some of the colleges that are, are growing right now. Um, I know Dr. Roberts is, is a former president of Wyoming Catholic College. Uh, I know as a dad with, with four kids at home, it's one of the schools I'd be most excited to send my own kids to. And uh, it's a school that is combining the great outdoors with uh, great books curriculum. Uh, I think it's schools like Hillsdale. Hillsdale is, is probably our closest uh, partner college. And um, name with that a school like St. John's in Annapolis or St. John's in Santa Fe. I think there's a renewal right now of, of uh, focus on the humanities and the liberal arts uh, and this renewed idea that the, the basic purpose of education, when we really do get down to it, um, isn't about jobs. It's, it's really about making us uh, more human and that we've got a lot to learn by looking back at our grandparents and great-grandparents and the way they, they were learned. They were yeah, what resonates with me is, is that concept that we've inherited something great. In fact, it's so great we can't even fully comprehend it. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, we need to spend our lives, to the extent that's possible, studying those great ideas and those heroes. And the greatest tragedy of modern American education we can't really measure with a test score. We can see qualitatively and, and in a bunch of anecdotes, and that is that we have lost the sense that we ought to be nurturing every day what we've inherited. Mm. Those great ideas, a real love for the great books, and it doesn't mean that someone needs to be a scholar in order to do this. This, this ought to be part of our everyday life. And yeah. ironically to me, being such a critic of the assessment regime, I think it's a test, the CLT, that's, that's helping in small quarters up to this point really reignite this renewal. But if you look at your numbers, 87 colleges participating, I'm sure that number will be much higher by the end of the year. A number of schools being testing centers, you're on to something here and you're really contributing to the momentum of the renewal of American education. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and Texas has been really from the beginning one of the most exciting states for us. 
And uh, we have testing sites all over Texas. If you go to cltexam.com and, and locations, our goal is to be within 20 minutes of, of every student in Texas, and, and we're getting fairly close to that. Good now. luck in West Texas. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> For the listener, whether they're in Texas or not, if they don't have a student who's going to be taking the exam, but they just think, oh, gosh, this sounds wonderful. I want to help. Yeah. What, what little thing or big thing can they do? The, the number one thing you could do is if you have a son or daughter who is in high school at all, colleges generally adopt the CLT because they hear from parents and students. We call colleges, but, but to them, you know, we're, we're guilty as charged. We're the testing company. When a parent calls and says, my son took the CLT, are you going to accept their score? That gets fast-tracked to the president. And so if there's one thing you can do, email admissions. Find the VP of enrollment and, and see if you can have a phone call with them. Sure. So Jeremy Tate, president and co-founder of the CLT exam. Tell us one more time the website. CLTExam.com. Thanks a lot for being here. God bless your work. Thank you, Kevin. You bet. Thanks again for being part of the Foundation Podcast, which is sponsored and produced by the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Visit us at TexasPolicy.com to learn more.